And here we go. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown joining you on a Monday hour number two, 865-546-8200. Your number if you want to hop in and join. Uh, a great hour ahead of us as we'll talk about the NBA All-Star Game, uh, raising concerns about the level of competitiveness uh, last night, a little bit of a snoozer, and some positive news. The Lady Vols bounce back a big win for them over Vanderbilt, a bad weekend to be a Commodore here in Knoxville. Um, uh, so we'll dive into that one as well. But first, let's head to the phones. We've got Roberto on the line. What's up, Roberto? Kiss my ass, Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, guys. Have a great night. No, uh, <laughs> I hate those yuppies, West Enders. Uh, a, a bad Gross. weekend to Peabody be there. College. Uh, it's, a, it's always a bad weekend to be a Vanderbilt that's, fan. That's got a point. Did Stackhouse really get fired, or was that just the internet word? That was, that was like a that was Richard a, G. West. I think that was uh, yeah, Richard was G. Oh, yeah. Richard G. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting people. I think it was yeah. Richard G. Again. God love him. He, yeah, Stackhouse will probably be gone by the end of the season. He, he will yeah, be yeah. fired. He just yeah. hasn't been fired yet. Yeah, it, it's it, it, it. What you find with Richard G. West is it, it, he's actually not trolling. He's just a prophet. Yeah, oh, we've seen that over <laughs> like the seen last, it month last month and a half. Because yeah. he he broke uh, the he broke the Zalance Heard news. I guess mm, like four weeks yeah. before it <laughs> actually <laughs> happened. That's exactly right. <laughs> Almost exactly as it went down. That's. Richard G. Richard G. West News, also known as you know Vol Prophecy. Yeah, um, guys, I I heard you talking about Amick, and I'm such an Amick sheep already. I, I just <laughs> so love the way he goes about his business. Um, he's a nice player, you know. Uh, but you did say something that I felt maybe it was just a little off, and that was that he's the most consistent player for the Vols this weekend. I don't think you could say that with uh, Christian Moore going six for eleven. I mean, that's fair. Time. That's fair. The heck of a weekend. Yeah. Um. I'll, go ahead. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear us? Yeah. 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 So, um, and also on Causey, I, I kind of like him coming in uh, for AJ because AJ Russell, he's not going to give you a ton of innings just because he throws so hard. That's kind of his mo. Um, I don't hate Causey coming in after him, and this is my thought as a former college recruited player myself, and and. I think one of you guys was too as well, right? For baseball, I'd be wrong. No, uh, maybe I'm yeah, wrong. No. Okay. Um, well, I can tell you this: Causey is a nice offset to AJ Russell, but I wonder if Causey's success was because of AJ Russell. That's a good point. Because I haven't. It's fair. Uh, ninety, ninety in the college game or ninety-two in the college game is a fastball, even at a funky arm angle. It's just. Nowadays, back in my day, you know, I say back in my day, <laughs> literally 25 years ago when yeah. I was talking, you know, looking at colleges, 90 sidearm was humming the, humming the, you know, humming to the disc. That was throwing hard. Now that's like, you know, an average yeah. JUCO guy mm-hmm. that doesn't even get a sniff at Division One. Sure. I'm not saying Cosby has an elite changeup. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. He was actually. Uh, I think it was Kendall Rogers said he has the best changeup in college baseball. Mm-hmm. And that's from Kendall Rogers, who knows who's forgotten more about baseball than I'll ever know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was. I'm not saying Causey shouldn't get a crack at starter, but I'm saying Snead is is a is a perfect what you would you know say. This is an SEC starter. This is an SEC Sunday guy. 
throws mid nineties, pretty pretty decent slider. I wouldn't call it wipeout, that's for sure. Um, if they can mix in a third pitch for him, I think he'll end up being your your third starter just because he's just got that. You can't you can't teach a hundred. No, you know that's what I mean. True, yeah. Um, and, and you know, I would love to see personally. I like a I like a a big hard throwing righty out of the bullpen to close games, and that might be a reason that you would not start Snead. But uh, I don't know if you heard him talking. Li- Did you guys watch the game last night? Were uh, able to watch it, listen to it. Yeah. Um, but okay. Well, the guys on the telecast, which actually Flow TV, strangely enough, I thought it was really good. I really? thought they did a great job, yeah, on the telecast. And I'm usually pretty like I'm, I'm spoiled. I listen to John Wilkerson every game, yeah, right. you know? yeah, yeah. But but they were really good, and they were saying I didn't know this that Snead is essentially already projected to be a top ten draft pick for next year. Really? Did you no. know that? I did not no know idea. that. No. They kept saying it. I, I thought okay, off cuff once. No, they said it like ten times. Hmm. So if that's true, I think you kind of have to start him, yeah, or at least give him a crack. I love Seacrest. Seacrest is always going to be a midweek game, midweek game guy, or like you go to the SEC tournament and you have to play out of the losers bracket, and you need a you need a fourth or fifth starter. Mm-hmm. That's what Seacrest is going to be because he's got that wonky, you know, hitch in his delivery. I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm all for weird deliveries, by the way, guys. Yeah, weird arm angles. That is a good thing. That gives you him and Causey give you something other guys don't have. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else is this prototype. They just build a pitcher and say, "This is how you throw." And these guys aren't that. That's a good thing for us. Um, I'm going to sheep it up big time. Um, I'll say we need to start hitting in the clutch better. Uh, you cannot leave 25 runners on base in three. Yeah, that was game. Rough you on cannot. And I even question the clutch factor already on this team, but. I also I'm I'm able to be a realist, step back for five seconds and say maybe our batting order wasn't to build it into being clutch hitting yet. Okay. Sure. Um, I think Tennessee has three legitimate SEC Player of the Year candidates: Dryling being an outside candidate, Christian Moore, who should be the number one with a bullet, and Billy Amick. Yep. Those three guys. If you can do Tennessee, can win a national championship. And I'm not just saying it like haha or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. Tennessee should probably be a favorite. To win the national championship, if they can find that third arm. Yeah. Take care, guys. I hope you have a great night. Thanks yeah. for the time. Yeah, of course. Thank you for so much for calling in, Roberto. I, I think, um, yeah, it, once you find that day three guy, it's kind of the miss, missing puzzle piece right yep. now with this team. Um, and you know, we, we've seen we've seen it with with the basketball team, kind of missing that who's going to be that that next go to guy. Just need that that other piece to be filled. And over time, we've seen Ziegler kind of develop back into that number two. Adu's been a nice piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, early on in the season, you're still trying to work some things out, um, and I think that this is definitely a better start than what you had last year, where you dropped the first two, um, and you still end up making it to the College World Series. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think everything from this weekend means everything, um, but I think you saw a lot of good stuff, a lot of stuff that can be improved on. You talk about that those kind of clutch moments. Um, I think that's good experience on the other side, experiencing. Um, that early on in the season against a good uh, Big 12 club, um, and then also just getting some, getting, giving guys opportunities like a Snead to to show what he's got. Even though he started off a little shaky, was able to rebound. I think that shows something in itself that hey, um, this guy even if he's knocked off a little early, um, is able to settle back in and, and and throw what he wants to throw. Um, so 
Um, you want to add something? Well, it's just I was going to say an interesting parallel with with basketball, uh, where last year you had more puzzle pieces missing. I think mm-hmm. this year you only have like one missing, and yeah, you, know, you fill it, and they look like a team that can win a title. Yeah, baseball team feels like a team where you have one piece to fill, and you have the roster to win a national yeah. title. I think this team, like basketball, is more talented than last year's group. Yeah, uh, just in terms of the pure baseball talent now. Three games, okay. You don't want to yeah, overreact, yeah. but I'm just basing it on pure talent. What we knew coming in, uh, I thought this team was more talented as it was uh, when you fill that one puzzle piece. I think they're going to become a title contender. Yeah, yeah. I think Roberto's right. Definitely, if you are, if you're able to fill that piece, that third day guy. Um, I actually like this knee compare. I actually like that. Uh, I do too. Yeah. yeah. Um, because Causey, as good as he was, I do kind of like that he follows up Russell. So hey, you get you get our best, and then you've got a guy that can also. Um, you know, be a starter um, if he won behind Russell. So um, I think that'd be a great one-two punch, especially uh, right out of the gates in a series. Um, you know, possibly already getting you a win just based off the pure yeah. talent you've got um, coming out of the bullpen and Causey. So um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Um, uh, I like that from Roberto. Um, maybe kind of seeing Snead as a Sunday guy. Also, maybe give Seacrest another chance. See yeah. where he goes. Um, but. A good weekend for the Vols, and and now uh, let's move over to the NBA, where it was not as good of a weekend. And um, as Dawson now slides back into his seat, um, <laughs> on Sunday night in Indianapolis, the 73rd edition of the NBA's annual February Classic reverted to the traditional format of East versus West and four 12-minute quarters. The changes switching back from years of team captains picking sides and an untimed targeted scoring system in the fourth quarter to determine the winner, it didn't work. Uh, the game, <laughs> the game won by the East, 211 to 186. That is not a typo. That was an actual final score of a 48-minute basketball game. It was still a listless walkthrough of less than no defense. Mindless chucking of threes from as far away as behind the three point or behind the half court line, I should say. <laughs> yeah. 70 footers. And the two teams set all star records for total points in a game 397 <sighs> and in a half 193. <sighs> for most threes made 67 and attempted 167. The East also set a record for. Points by one team and tied a record with 104 points in the first half. And new marks for three point or threes made by one team. They made 42 of them as a team. Um, my takeaway from this weekend is this: You've heard all this talk from Adam Silver over the last couple months that this is going to be a competitive All-Star game. What everyone wants. One thing, I, I, I love Kobe Bryant for a lot of reasons, but one thing I particularly love about him when he was talking about the All-Star game, um, uh, you know, three or seven, you know, five, seven years ago, he was talking about how he loves competing in it, but the game has changed. It's no longer a competition. It's more of a just kind of, I mean, almost not a, a mess around game. Yeah. And uh, where it's just, you know, lackadaisical defense, throw up a 30 here, let's get an alley-oop dunk here. It's not a game. It's not competitive. People tune into this game to see a glorified pickup game between the best basketball players in the world. And you see better competition levels and more enthusiasm to play in their you know, UCLA workouts in the summer or, or with Chris Brickley and the, the, New York, the New York gyms with Hoodie Mello. In the Rising Stars game. Yes. Yeah. You see more competition 
when they're playing pickup over the summer as buddies. And they're risking injury in those games too. So don't say, well, well, they're, they don't want to risk injury in an All-Star game. Well, okay, well, what if Devin Booker tears his ACL playing over the summer with Ben Simmons in his frame? Or Chet Holmgren or, yeah. does that thing to his foot yeah. playing against LeBron James. Derrick Rose tore his ACL getting off an airplane one yeah. time. Yeah. The, look, there's a risk for injury there, for anything. There's a risk of a tornado every day. That doesn't mean we don't go outside. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, you know, when we go to the beach, we know there's sharks out there. That doesn't mean we don't get in the water. We look at the flags. I mean, exactly. You know, the rip current might be there. So the, the bottom line for me is this falls on the players. It's the players that are the, the ones that are letting this happen. They're the ones that set the tempo. Yeah. The, the, the league can be like, well, you know, play harder out there. And they, they can say, we'll give you a bonus or you can donate an amount of money to a charity, which are all great things to do, but it comes back down to the players. Uh, after the game, Jalen Brunson talked about what they, as a Eastern Conference team, talked about at halftime. They were trying to set the three-point record. They were trying to set the um, most points ever in an All-Star game. And as a result, you get them not playing defense. You got three guys back on the other end playing. It was like a, a three-man weave every time. <laughs> I think that the NBA has to do something about this. Um, and I'll present a couple ways uh, here in here in a second. Um, but this was this fell flat for me. This was this is something that I've always loved. I mean, from a, a young age, I've always loved this weekend. It's been fun forever. I've got great memories of it growing up. This was probably the most disappointed I've ever been. Dawson, your thoughts? It's hard to take this seriously, uh, honestly. When you see the score, when you see some of the stats, it's just a little bit ridiculous. Some of the shots these guys were taking. I mean, Lucas taking a 70-footer from the opposite free-throw line for yeah. some reason. Yeah, with like 45 seconds to go in a half. With like. 45 seconds to go in the half, it's – it's ridiculous. It continues to get more ridiculous. Like, I thought last year's was pretty rough, too. Uh, but this year's, man, it just – I don't know how they find a way to make it a less serious basketball game than it was last year because I felt like last year was as low as we could go, and they found a way to go lower. Uh, the players clearly aren't taking it seriously at all. I mean, they're laughing all the way up and down the court every time. Like, nobody's taking this seriously. Uh, it's also a microcosm of the NBA when you're taking 97 threes as a team in a game. It shows the way the NBA is going, too, because it, literally they would walk down the court, three dribbles, pass three, every single possession for the for the Eastern Conference especially. And the Western Conference didn't do it as much. Mm. The Eastern Conference did it every single possession. It felt like uh, it's flashy. It's what everybody, oh, he's, he's hit three threes in a row, you know, because that's where we're going now as a league. But it just makes it hard to watch, especially, by the way, the one stat that should tell how bad this game was, uh, the fact that you were playing no defense and still shot 33% from three. You shot 67 for 167. Playing no defense. I mean, these are, I don't know. Uh, in terms of, like, mild fun, it was fun to watch someone. Like, Tyrese Halliburton was excellent in this game. He was just mm-hmm. kind of going out there doing crazy stuff. He was the only one that looked like that was, you know, really getting creative uh, and also taking the game seriously, probably because he's in front of his home fans. Okay. Uh, we've seen that before. I think he deserved MVP of the game. That's just my opinion. Um, some others looked good. Carl Anthony Towns went for 50. That's that's cool. I think Shea, Gilgis Alexander, looked excellent as well. Um, so it's fun to watch those guys be good at basketball, but why in the All-Star game? Like, we can yeah. do that all the time in a regular season game. So for me, it's just it's hard to take it serious. Yeah, and it, there's like no motivation beyond it either. It's oh, just no, that they're not. just out there, you know, see, seeing their buddies that they used to play with uh, or or want to play with in the future, just 
talking ball and and that's it i mean it, it doesn't help that the format went back to the old ways that uh you know people sort of hated and i mean you go back to that 2021 all-star game dudes were actually playing ball in that fourth quarter trying to get to that 24 point the mark. target score yeah and i mean that that was so much fun that might have been the most competitive basketball we've seen in quite some time especially when you take uh just all the talent that was in that one building so I uh, I, I'd love to go back to the target score. I doubt they ever will. Uh, I mean, it, it, this whole weekend, the whole All-Star weekend was sort of underwhelming. I think the only one thing that I paid attention to the whole time, uh, and I think most people actually did enjoy, uh, was the Sabrina Ionescu-Steph Curry uh, three-point shootout. Fun, that yeah. was uh, something that I'd really like to see more of. But beyond that, I mean, it was just, you know, I was bored out of my mind. I didn't even watch the All-Star game. Yeah. Um. So now going to what the NBA can do to fix this. I think that, you know, there have been a couple of people that said, well, just give him an incentive, pay him, give him a bonus. You know, uh, the winner of the game gets like $500, you know, $100 bonus. I, that, that's not going to incentivize these guys. They make it's the, not. They make that, you know, for sitting on the bench for five minutes. Some of these guys make, uh, you know, with these big contracts, they can make that in two days. And that, like, they're, you know, uh, you know, I don't care about two days' work. I think the way you get these guys to play is, you know, how this year they've got, you know, flopping is now a technical foul, mm-hmm. and it's something that is not necessarily judged by, like, you know, if you if you foul someone, um, and or, or you travel, right? You take multiple steps. Like that's a pretty cut and dry foul. Um, the flopping, there's no real definition of it. It's more kind of a judgment, right, by the referees. So, my thing for the All-Star game, have someone that is judging, or I guess you can go back and look at the film, but judging how hard a player is playing. And if they're not playing up to par, you fine them. (laughs) Oh, man. I think that's the only way. I think if you fine them, then that, look, look, you've already implemented a rule this year in the the flopping where it's not a cut and dry, it's a judgmental call. Yeah. So if you have guys that are not playing up to par, fine them. I like that. That's an, I mean that's the I incentive. Mean, you're not making any money. I like it. You're not making any money. You could lose some. You don't play. You don't play for real in this game. Because mm. I think I mean who don't, who wants to lose money? No. Yeah. No yeah. one wants to lose money. So I think that's the way to fix it. I, I think if you want to get players to play, tell them you're taking their bread away, and I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, Somebody's going to step up. They'll rethink right. their decision. Any, any, you're any, gosh, anything to add? Uh, no. Can I go ahead with my yes. ways? I would yeah. fix it. Yeah. The number one way, and I think I said this last week when we talked about this game, go back to target score, please. Mm-hmm. That was the most competitive ball we saw in this game. Go back to it. Why Why are we going away from it when it worked? It gave yeah. us the most competitive all-star game, at least a period of an all-star game, that I have seen in most of my lifetime at this point. Uh, of watching this game. We've, we've gone back to this nonchalant, and we're throwing alley-oops to Devin Booker. And I'm a Suns fan. That was awesome. Yeah! But I don't want to see that in the All-Star game. I want to see him being him, playing his version of basketball, mm. not dunking. He, he doesn't do that. But we're, we're drifting back to that, though. Or we're throwing up lobs every other mm. play. Yeah. We're throwing up threes every other play. Just get back to a target score and make these guys play to a certain number because when you put that target number, you slap that on the screen in front of them, oh, well, we got to get to that number if we want to win the game. Yeah. Go back to that. Uh, the incentive, I, I, I think I loved when MLB did 
winner gets home field in the, in the mm-hmm. World Series. Now, I know you had your complaints from teams that maybe their their league lost the All-Star game and then they had a better record. Well, why don't we get home field? Well, because your t- league lost the All-Star game. That's why. Maybe try that. Just do it one year and say, hey, you win, you get home court in the NBA Finals for games one and two. I mean, it, it worked for the MLB. Yeah. It, the MLB is still the most competitive All-Star game, in my opinion, yeah. of any of the major sports. Mm-hmm. So try something like that. Um, other than that, you, you could go radical like you did. Uh, I said not fine them, but limit the amount of shots, like certain shots they can take per game. You can mm-hmm. only take a certain amount of threes in the All-Star game, and then you have to they have to strategize when they want to take them and not just huck them up every play. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. not um, You know, just it could make the late game under, like very uh, not interesting at all because maybe yeah. they use up all their threes in the first yeah. three quarters, yeah. uh, but then they have to find a different way to score. Uh, I think it just makes it more interesting. gives me something to watch for. It gives mm-hmm. me something to think about during the game instead of just mindless, oh, there's another lob, oh, there's another three. And do something, man. Yeah, you, you talked about my big one, which was uh, the home court, home court for the finals because, I mean, yeah, like you said, people are going to gripe about that, but – Hey, I mean, if you're the best player on your team and you're out there and you, you've got a chance to go to the finals, you can go out there and play your ass off, have a chance to have home court advantage no matter how good your team is. Uh, so I think that's one thing I, I thought, like you said, like we brought up earlier, the target score thing worked wonders for the few years that they were doing that, uh, especially in 2021. I, I just felt like that was the year because that one came down to the wire. It came down to a LeBron James fadeaway. Like, you couldn't get more – you know, intense than right. that, where, where these guys are, you know, actually playing for once. And uh, LeBron, of all people, comes down with it. Uh, I think for for the NBA to fit, I, it's it's got to go to one of those two. Because I mean, uh, beyond that, either that, maybe just shorten the game. Period. You know, make it like eight minute quarters or something like that. Yeah, and keep keep shorter. people, uh, you know, at least not as not bored for as long. I guess yeah. I would say. I feel that. So the NBA All-Star Saturday night was far from perfect as well. Uh, the skills competition featured Scotty Barnes barely being able to dribble a basketball. Hilarious uh, clip, by the way. Uh, <laughs> hilarious shoot it over clip. His yeah, shooting backwards. it backwards. And, and, as I mentioned, and throwing a shot oh. uh, with his back facing the rim. And the dunk competition oh, featured horrible. two G-leaguers. And the All-Star NBA All-Star Weekend featured two G-leaguers, including reigning champion Mac McClung, who seems to be brought out by the NBA for All-Star Weekend like a circus animal. Um, he also competed and ended up winning. He's a great dunker. And, he is. Um, yes. But it's like, I mean, seriously, the NBA is like, all right, All-Star Weekend's around. Come on, you know, bring Mac in. Um, how can Saturday night be fixed? I'm not sure if it can at this point. It feels mm-hmm. like it's too far gone, right? Um, the three-point contest was okay. I thought it was pretty good. It was competitive. Um, uh, but the dunk contest was bad. I mean, this yeah. is probably the worst one that I've watched in my life, and it's fallen a really long way. Uh, even just since 2020, when they had Aaron Gordon in the dunk contest again. I mean, how do you fall this far? Uh, it was it was creative, I think, is what made it what it was. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I mean, we had Blake Griffin dunking over a car. We all remember him jumping over a car. Uh, they uh, Jalen Brown jumped over a guy sitting down, a five foot four guy. Yeah, Kai Sinat. <laughs> what, what, sitting down yeah, some on a chair. Do. I mean, that's not and even a normal acted, defender. And then acted like he was blindfolded. I, I mean, yeah. we've guys, we've had guys dunk with a cupcake on the rim. You remember the, with yeah. the candle where he uh-huh. blew out the candle and the cupcake mm-hmm. stayed up there and he dunked. We've, we saw Dwight Howard dunk on a twelve foot rim. We saw Dwight Howard. <laughs> he had multiple dunks in that yeah. one dunk contest yeah. that yeah. were great. Uh, guys dunking on two baskets at once. Javale yeah. McGee. Javale yeah. McGee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- I mean, this is just like 
run of the mill. I, I thought Jacob Toppin did okay. Yeah, Toppin. I, I thought I, Toppin yeah. had a good night and probably deserved to be in the finals. Yeah, uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. think Jalen Brown did anything no. to deserve being mm-hmm. in the finals. One of his dunks was dunking with his left hand. I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of that, um, <laughs> McClung was good, but we knew McClung was going to be good. Yeah, He's like yeah. minus 300 odds to win it because yeah. what were the other guys going to I mean, do? The, dunk, the dunks he did were good. I thought he the got first it. one, the first one where he like uh, like grabbed it and oh, then took him it, off, yeah. I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Dawson. It, it, it just, I think it, again, comes down to what they're playing for. They're just not playing mm-hmm. for anything. There's no incentive, at least not that I remember. There was um, but for Mac McClung, that's, for McClung, McClung, that's, massive. That, that's he's eating the rest of the, the year. Everything for the rest of the year. <laughs> for McClung, massive. For Jalen Brown, <laughs> not as massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give him something else to play for and do some star power stuff. Now, I will say the Steph and Sabrina thing was cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and was actually really competitive. I thought Sabrina had a really great showing. <clears throat> yeah. Shooting from the NBA line, by the way, uh, with the WNBA ball, she shot from the NBA line. Yeah. Um, which she said she was going to do. Now I know I know they did say they're going to bring it back. Uh, apparently, it's going to be a two v two thing. Caitlin Cart, man, bring her apparently, in. Apparently, uh, Sabrina had said she had, she had seen someone already that she wanted to bring along with her, and everybody assumes that's Clark against and, and uh, Sabrina against the Splash Brothers. So that could be fun. Mm-hmm. But man, other than that. Well, maybe not. Maybe <laughs> Steph will have to find a different there's partner. A, there's a Splash <laughs> Brother. Yeah, there's a Splash, Splash Brother, brother and, and Brick Brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other, other than that, I don't know if they can fix Saturday night. Yeah. I, I think if you were, I underline this, young stars. You don't go out there and throw out, you know, uh, just some random Joe Schmo six-man off the bench out of Toronto for your three-point contest. Uh, you know, it's it's nice seeing vets like Damian Lillard go out and win a three-point contest. I, I think that's fun. Uh, but – you know, I, I heard earlier, I saw this earlier, Stephen A. Smith said something that uh, really kind of hit home for just the All-Star weekend, uh, which is that LeBron James is solely responsible for the downfall of the dunk contest. Because, I mean, you go back and you look at Michael Jordan participating, Dominique Wilkins, Kobe Bryant, all these big-time guys participating yeah. in uh, the dunk contest and winning them uh, and putting on a show. Uh, and then whenever LeBron first gets in the league and he gets the offer, he says no. Well, I, I think that kind of takes out some of the integrity of the I All-Star mean, yeah, weekend. Yeah, but even after LeBron got in the league, I mean, you had Dwight Howard in 2010. You had Blake Griffin in, what, 2012 that, that won the dunk contest. I mean, those guys are, are stars, right? And Dwight Howard was for sure. I, that I, was but after LeBron. Like, if, if you're looking at, like, the all-time greats debate with that stuff, I, oh, think, yeah. so, I think some of those guys get overlooked. When you get a talent so so big and so huge as LeBron James and he passes up the deal, everybody else that thinks he's – uh, remotely close to LeBron is going to be like, no, I don't want to do that. I, I think I think that That's aspect fair. of it really hit home for me. Uh, again, it, it just goes back to young stars uh, being back in these games. I think it'll revamp the weekend. One thing about LeBron, I'm pretty sure it's in his contract where he's not allowed to participate in that stuff. Probably I mean, not he anymore. He has to sign yeah. off on it. Um, but you know, also you know, Paul George was in it. Damian Lillard was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I guess you know Victor Oladipo before all of his injuries was in it. He was a, a big star. Um, you know, I I I think the way they can fix this is a um, the, the the dunk contest is the biggest event. You've got to get a bigger draw. Um, Jaime Jaquez, really nice player. I'm not Why tuning in there? to see him dunk. Um, the fact that you're going down as the G League and grabbing guys, you might as well just go hire four professional dunkers and let them go. You know. Um, Jalen Brown, I, I respect him in involving himself in the competition because I think that speaks volumes. Um, he's a good in-game dunker, nothing special. Um, you know, if they wanted to revive this thing, 
I mean, go get John Morant. Go get Zion Williamson. Exactly. I saw um, people talking about that the other yeah. night while it was going on. Yeah, go yeah. get those guys and and a couple more high flyers in the league and, and bring. Let's bring the thing back. Uh, Vince Carter, an all timer, was, was a guy that was incredible. In it. Jason Richardson uh, had a few Jason big Ritz, ones he did. that were fun. I, I just think over really as the all star quality, uh, the all star game quality has dropped. So has the weekend because more and more guys just think they're too cool for school, don't want to get injured, uh, don't want to really be involved. They rather sit on the sideline wearing their uh, Miri and all that. And, and just film and, and kind of be there as a celebrity. It's a big celebrity we, uh, event now. And I think the players think they're there to be celebrities too, when really they're the main event. People are tuning in to see them. Um, I, I'm not tuning in to go see, and as, as great as Mac McClung is, I don't, want to tu- I don't want to turn on the NBA All-Star competitions and tune into a G-leaguer and another G-leaguer and a, a rookie that is not known for a dunker and Jalen Brown, who I do respect, but he's he's not someone that's going to go uh, wow you. Uh, no, and and clearly, not. dunking over a five-two Kai Sanat, whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> is not very cool. Sitting either. down, by the yeah. way, not even sitting, sitting down. Up. Yeah, I mean, hell, he should have dunked over me. Yeah, um, <laughs> sitting here in the chair. Um, so it would have been real close. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I will say I did enjoy the three-point contest between Curry and Anescu. Um, just two of the greats in, in their respective mm-hmm. leagues. Um, really cool moment there. Um, and they've done that a couple times. Remember, they had uh, Kevin Hart and Draymond Green. That was kind of oh, the opposite. That was, hilarious. That was kind yeah. of the opposite of it. But it's still just adding in those little wrinkles I think are really cool. Um, the skills challenge has never been the, the top commodity. Um, but I thought Scotty Barnes' level of competition was, it was it, that, that, that was more funny than anything. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I mean, what, what, what was I watching? This is a skills competition, and you've got a guy that can't weave through no two skills. cones. <laughs> like, I have mean, you never dribbled in middle school? Like, I, mean, come that, on. That, I mean, look, we can drive by West High and see them doing that. Oh yeah, and they'll probably I'll go do out it. there and do it. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably do it better. Yeah. Um, so I, look, I, I think to to wrap it up, this is a huge weekend for the NBA. Um, because it's kind of their one standalone weekend where you've got kind of the attention of everyone. The Super Bowl is the weekend before. The NFL season's over. Um, you've got soul. This is your big weekend because, you know, college basketball is around. Um, college baseball is just getting started up. But the NBA, this is kind of their, their home stretch right before uh, baseball, MLB baseball gets rolling. Um, so they've got to fix it. They've got to make it more intriguing. Uh, a lot of the ways we talked about um, it could be ways to fix it. Um, I just hope I don't have to watch uh, Sabrina and, and Caitlin Clark take on <laughs> Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, the Splash Brother, and the Brick Brother. <laughs> uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the Vols bounce back win. Lady Vols bounce back win over Vanderbilt right here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865 966 
888-336-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. Are you ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. eBay Motors here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it all at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusive apply. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba, please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Back here on Overtime on a Monday night. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, moving over to the Lady Vols, who got a big weekend or a big win this weekend. Uh, Tennessee scored a season-high 30 points in the first quarter and never looked back. Racing past Vanderbilt at Memorial Gymnasium, 86-61 to on Sunday afternoon. The Lady Vols, who improved to 16-9 on the season, 9-4 in SEC play, shot a sizzling. 76.9% in the first frame, including an eye-popping 83.3% from the three-point arc to seize a 15-point lead in the first min- first 10 minutes and route to their eighth straight victory in the series with the Commodores. Uh, the Lady Vols finished the game at a 52.5% clip from the floor, marking their second-best percentage of the season behind a 53.3 rate on uh, versus Kentucky uh, on January 7th. I'm um, talking about a couple of the players here. Fifth-year forward Rakia Jackson enjoyed an 11-for-15 day from the field to lead the Big Orange in scoring with 24 points, as well as in rebounds, assists, and steals. She did it all. She uh, did. Senior guard Jewel Spear uh, con- connected on three of six three-point attempts and contributed 16 points. Good bounce-back performance for her, uh, while fifth-year point guard Jasmine Powell tossed in 12. Um you kind of wish that they could have saved a little bit of this this juice offensively yeah. for that fourth quarter against South Carolina. Mm. But um, 
kind of moving away from that game, putting in the rear mirror. You needed a rebound, especially after a tough loss at home against the Gamecocks, and you have one of your best performances of the season. Um, really impressive uh, numbers. Shooting 53% from the field is or 52% um, is incredible. And coming out and setting the tone early, especially on the road. Um, you know, Vanderbilt is not a bad team, 19-8 and eight on the year. Um, but, you know, you're on the road. You want to make sure that you're not getting far behind. And you shoot 77% to yeah, begin was, the game. Everything was going in for him in the first quarter. That's how it's done. That's how you pull away early. Um, and getting a, a performance like that from Rakia Jackson I thought was really big. Um, doing everything. And Jewel Spear getting back on track after she kind of struggled in that one against mm-hmm. the Gamecocks. This is all around to me a, a great bounce-back win for the Lady Vols. It is. Uh, this team is peaking at the exact right time, I think. Now, maybe they waited a little bit long considering their tournament seating right now. I uh, have not had a chance to look. Uh, I will after I get my takeaways right quick if they've changed that bracketology mm-hmm. at all. I know yesterday on the broadcast – uh, they said that Charlie Cream, who does the, the women's bracketology like Lenardi, uh, said that the outcome would not affect either team. Um, so right now slated as a 10 seed headed to Los Angeles in the USC bracket, which would be nice. Uh, a, a pretty good matchup as well, yeah. I think, uh, if they were to get past that first round. Um, but they're peaking at exactly the right time. I mean, these are probably three of their best efforts of the year right mm-hmm. in a row between Arkansas, South Carolina, and now Vanderbilt. You go 2-1 and one in those games and look really great in all mm-hmm. three of them. Uh, yeah, your three-point shooting wasn't good against South Carolina, but, I mean, South Carolina, the fact that you were in that game as long yeah, as you were yeah. is a benefit, in in my opinion. Uh, but these two wins have been dominant uh, on both ends of the floor, really. Mm-hmm. Offensively, uh, everything's going in. The shots are finally falling, whereas mm-hmm. earlier in the year it was just rough sometimes, felt like they were always ice cold. And defensively, you're flying around and making plays now, getting more confident, uh, and as such, you're blowing teams out that you should be mm-hmm. beating by a yep. large margin. Uh, it's a great start on short rest. Uh, we kind of, I kind of worried how they would come out after playing such a hard-fought, you know, kind of not demoralizing, but you know, a game that takes a lot out of you as a team mm-hmm. to play that long into a game with South Carolina. How would they respond? Uh, how would they start on on potentially tired legs? Third game in seven days, by the way, for the Lady Vols, mm-hmm. um, and they, I mean, they shot seventy-seven percent in the first yeah. quarter and just out hustled Vanderbilt. Um, so that was huge, and it's going to be huge in March because you're going to play you know, two games in three days. Yeah. SEC tournament, you could play, t- realistically, four days in a row of basketball, Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, yeah. Saturday, and Sunday. So you know, you needed that to be able to put those performances back-to-back-to-back. That's huge. And the role players, we talk about it with the men's team. It mm-hmm. is a problem for the women's team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jillian Hollingshed and Jasmine Powell have really come into their own. Uh, Hollingshed just got a rough start. Played well last year. Especially in the the postseason, played really well, but hadn't found it yet this year. Over the past week, she's found it. Jasmine Powell's found it. Jewel Spear, no harm, no foul for Thursday. She's back. She's fine. Mm. Um, And everybody's finding their groove at the same time, and it's making this team play really good basketball. Yeah, finding the groove is probably the thing that I'd say – uh, the most about this team over the last week or so because I mean uh, everybody in the in the country saw just how slow that start was I mean uh, taking a big loss to MTSU but they're finally coming over that hump beating teams that they should beat uh, and by a wide margin at that so it's been positive to see that uh, I, I was kind of worried uh, just because uh, the bigs down low didn't really play that well I know Rakia Jackson had a really good game uh, but like Tamari Key I know you just hit on Jillian Hollingshed uh, but both of those kind of felt like non-factors for the most part in this one to me not really putting up big numbers that to- combined for just eight rebounds uh together so i, I think that's going to be something to definitely hone in on uh, especially when you're looking 
to play LSU, a really good LSU team on Sunday. Uh, but it's like you said, it's really great to see Jewel Spear and Jasmine Powell both uh, get that uptick in guard play. Uh, Jewel Spear has been sort of on a tear as over the last three, four weeks. Uh, she's really started playing her best basketball as of late, so really good to see her there. Uh, and, and it's, of course, always great to see Rakia Jackson being that sturdy rock uh, in the middle for you. Yep. Yeah, the Lady Vols never trailed in Sunday's contest and held their largest lead of 25 at the final buzzer. Uh, Tennessee possessed leads of 15, 15, and 18 at the end of the first three quarters. Uh, Vanderbilt, which was shooting 41.8% heading into today's or heading into Sunday's game, I should say, uh, shot 32.9% from the floor uh, during the matchup. So a significant decrease uh, that you're imposing defensively. Uh, the Commodores allowed Tennessee to shoot 52.5% shooting from the field, which is nearly 13% higher than what uh, Vanderbilt's season defensive average was at 39.7. How were the Lady Vols able to get it done on both ends? Uh, Firstly is hustle. They hustled really well in this game. Same as Arkansas, same as South Carolina. It Mm -hmm. just feels like they've picked up the tempo a little bit. Uh, Early in the year, I think most of their problem is they just were playing nonchalant, just not really hurrying, especially on defense, kind of just not moving a lot on offense, not swinging the ball, nobody was moving around. Now that they've started to do it, they're finding success. Uh, Flying around, staying right up tight on the ball, I think they've been very good at it the last couple weeks, but especially this three-game stretch. uh, They they started to pick up the pace. They like to run the floor now, which is something we haven't seen them do a lot this year, Um, but they're getting turnovers and immediately just flying up the court. Uh, and trying to go quickly. Uh, and Jasmine Powell's a big source of that. She just loves to run the, the length of the floor and go all the way to the basket. Uh, they stayed away from foul trouble. This was a problem earlier in the year, too. Uh, you didn't give up many free throws to Arkansas. I think you only gave up eight to South Carolina, something like that, eight or ten, which is a really low number for a team that has players that like to go to the rim. Uh, you're just holding yourself away from foul trouble, and that's letting you play a little bit more relaxed. You're not having to worry about it. Now, Tamari Key was in foul trouble a little bit on Sunday, uh, but it was never a major issue. She was able to come in and out um, as she pleased throughout the game. That's three straight under 70, uh, including the number Mm -hmm. one team in the country for teams. Arkansas was averaging 73. Vanderbilt was in the 70s, I believe, as well. Um, So, to hold those three offenses under 70, it's a huge step forward, uh, and you're limiting mistakes offensively. Turnovers have been mm-hmm. the death of this team all year, and it snowballs. Uh, they turn the ball over once, okay, twice, three times, and then it just starts to snowball, uh, and they get out of games. They're not doing that as much, and as such, they're able to get ahead, set the tone, and win games. Yeah, uh, you know, you hit on it big time. Is hustling up and down the court on either side. I mean, uh, you know, they, they were playing really good against South Carolina for those first three quarters, getting offensive boards, putting them back up, uh, and then you just see one Gamecock just go flying down the court, wide open, nobody back, uh, and hit a layup to just sort of stop the bleeding. So uh, being able to get back on that end is huge. Uh, also, trust in your shooters. You know, shooting 43% from the three-point line last game is pretty good, Mark. Uh, so finally start, start, starting to turn the corner there, uh, I think that elevates that team as well. Uh, and like you said, they're really good in fast break opportunities. They they can fly down the court on the offensive end. Uh, it's just one thing, just be able to get back on defense. Uh, and this team might can make a little bit of a uh, a push towards this, uh, I guess, last corner we have this season. 
Yeah, I think you saw a lot of, you know, as you talk about, you know, with the men's team, getting those complimentary pieces back involved. I think you saw an all, a great all-around game uh, in this one as well from a little bit of a different perspective. Also, you know, Tess Darby throws in nine points, but also Tamari Key gets active on the defensive side of the ball, a pair of blocks for her, just getting back into the groove of, um, you know, each specific player being able to do what they are good at specifically. Um, and that's how they file into this team and this roster. And when you compile all of those together, I think you get your best version of the Lady Vols. And early on in the season, I don't think you had that. I think it was a little bit of um, – because, you know, Rakia Jackson missed some time. Am I, am I mm-hmm. correct on yes. that? Yeah. Uh, Rakia Jackson miss, was missing some time. Um, but I think that contributed to it. Um, but also you, were still, you still had a couple of people trying to figure out their roles on this team. Um, and there was a little bit of uh, – uh, disconnect there, but as the season has gone on, and particularly as of late, I think you have a lot more uh, of these guys knowing what their role is and how to fulfill that the best way, whether it be defensively or offensively, and now I think you're starting to see this team hit their stride at the right time as a result of that. Now, uh, another big game coming up against LSU. Uh, Tennessee will be idle on Thursday before welcoming in uh, the Tigers to Food City Center on February 25th for a noon test with the Tigers. Uh, ESPN will be in town. It will be a very big game. Um, Much-needed time off, however, for this one. Oh, man, yeah. <clears throat> Feels like they've been going nonstop for weeks on end at this point. Feels like they haven't had a night off in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get this one off, especially after – this stretch they've had three games in seven days is massive, and it lets you really hone in on this LSU game. Uh, this is your biggest opportunity left, uh, besides going to Columbia and playing South Carolina. But I just, it's nothing at the Lady Vols. It just teams don't win there yeah. uh, against South Carolina. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so LSU is your biggest test, in my opinion, left. Your biggest winnable test left, uh, and so you can really focus in on that game now and say we're going to win this game. <clears throat> we're going to go prepare. We're going to win this mm-hmm. game. Uh, it's going to be a big chance for them to get a statement win. They still need that statement win. They yeah. almost mm-hmm. got it against South Carolina. They came really close. I think LSU is about a, a maybe a tier below South Carolina, so maybe a very winnable game there. Uh, it, but it was good prep for March. To go 2-1 and one in this stretch in seven days is big for, for March play. Um, because I mean, you're not going to see South Carolina in any of your March stretches until you know you get to a very deep point in the tournament. Um, but just to do that on seven days is highly encouraging to me. Mm. Uh, it's a good sign for postseason play. Uh, but you need this time off because your last three are are really tough. You, you go, you mm. get LSU at home; they're really tough. You get A and M at home, who you already lost to in College Station. You got to go to Columbia, all leading up to SEC tournament play. So, well needed time off for the Lady Vols. Absolutely well needed. I mean, they've been going full go since uh, their Ole Miss loss yeah. on the road. So, uh, being able to, like you said, get that rest, get some practices in, really hone in your craft, especially for these last three big games. Uh, luckily, you get. Two of those at home, I think it's it's kind of like the Vols, uh, the men's team, uh, get some late games at home to really round out uh, their their campaign. And for the Lady Vols, it, it helps give them more of a cushion uh, for maybe one of those, like, they might be fringe bubble at this point. Just depends on if they can pull out a couple more big wins. Uh, but it'll definitely boost their resume, uh, sort of solidify themselves as a tournament team because uh, what would March Madness be without the Lady Vols? Exactly. I think this has the opportunity to be a, a seed-moving type of game. Right. You win this one, you're no longer a 10. You could move up into that 8-9 range, and that's a that's a little bit of a different situation there. Um, so 
Um, I, I think a win like this would be big, but I also like how you have time to prepare as well. Um, three games in, in what would you say, eight days? Seven. Seven think, days. Right. Yeah, um, Monday to Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So three games in seven days, it's a really quick turnaround for any team. Uh, and, and now that the fact that you have, uh, what, uh, six days to prepare for this one, and this is one of your biggest games of the year, I exactly. think that favors the Vols well. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully Food City Center will be active for this one. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Bringing oh, yeah. in a, the, the former or the, the reigning national champions. Um, so this is a this is an opportunity. And, and I think the Lady Vols know how big this is. I think they're going to lock in over these next six days, find a way to beat this team because this is something that not only gives you a statement win, but also moves a needle where your seating is come March. Yep. Mm. All right, coming back uh, on overtime. Quick break here right before the end of the hour. Stay right here on overtime. Rev up your savings at Volunteer Auto Group, your one-stop destination for quality vehicles at unbeatable prices. Cruise through their vast selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. They've got the flexible financing options that make it easy for you to drive home today. Volunteer Auto Group, where every deal's a winner. 1501 Callahan Drive. Check them out online at volauto.com and tell them Fan Run sent you. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. eBay Motors here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it all at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows, get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows, the best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, Gainbridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder Gainbridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today at Gainbridge.io. All right. 
Rounding out a great two hours of overtime. Um, over the weekend, uh, the seed list uh, for the uh, tournament, and they always do this about a month before Selection Sunday, the Selection Committee will provide um, the top 16 teams um, if if March or if Selection Sunday were today, what would that look like? Um, the number one seeds consist of Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona. Two seeds: North Carolina, Tennessee, Marquette, Kansas. Three seeds: Alabama, Baylor, Iowa State, Duke. Four seeds: Auburn, San Diego State, Illinois, Wisconsin. Kind of high for Wisconsin, considering Agreed. a little bit <clears throat> high, yeah. Considering the way they've looked. <clears throat> yeah. um, but one of those one seeds, uh, Purdue, lost on Sunday to Ohio State, who just fired their coach on Tuesday. In the midweek. Yeah, in the midweek. Um, this was a I, – I, I bet on this game. I watched this game. Uh, I think this just shows that Purdue is not as unstoppable as we think. And, and out of these one seeds, um, and Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona, who is the most – who would you fear the most out of a in a scenario where Tennessee may have to play one? UConn, right? A dominant big in Clinigan presents automatic problems. Their guard play, everyone on that team plays well. Their bench guys have been excellent as well, but Clinigan's the star of the show, and I think he would present major matchup problems for Tennessee. And it's not a stray at Jonas Adu by any means, but that's just how good he is. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's probably UConn for me. Uh, Houston is a weird one because I mean their defense is so good that if your offense is not clicking, uh, they have an ability to completely shut you down. Uh, mm-hmm. They did it; uh, they've done it several times. They have a chance to do it again tonight against Iowa State. We'll see how that game goes. Mm-hmm. So it's UConn, then probably Houston after that for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you there because Arizona, like we, we've hit on it plenty of times, that they're they're just kind of iffy this year. Uh, they've they've had some good wins, but they've had some really bad losses. Uh, number one on the list definitely for me is is UConn for sure because I mean we just saw them dismantle Marquette this weekend uh, and and they've been doing that to most of most of the other big uh, Big East competition that they've played against which is not a slouch conference uh, and they've been playing really well like you said big man in Clinigan would probably have a clinic. Uh, Depending on how Adu shows up in those first mm-hmm. five minutes, so uh, I'd, I'd probably go UConn. Houston definitely puts up the best defense out of the group, though. Uh, UConn would still be my number one. I think they're from top to bottom one of the, the best team in the country. You saw what they did this weekend against Marquette. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got Caravan, you've got a freshman in Castle, you've got Clinigan who comes back, Tristan Newton, their point guard last year, still there. This team is loaded. It's a good roster. Um, I think the second most feared team would be Arizona, in my opinion. Arizona, over the last couple of weeks, has looked really good. They have looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. I they mean, uh, they pummel choked uh, Arizona State on on Saturday, winning by f- thirty nine points, one hundred five to sixty. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, ridiculous. Um, and they they got a big win on the road against Utah. They took them three overtimes. They're able to win that one, and then they go on the road again and play Colorado two days later and beat them by twenty. Um, Arizona has been on a, a hot streak right now, I'd, I'd worry about facing them because they're, they're talented. Um, you've got uh, – I can't remember their big guy down low. Omar Balo. Omar Balo. Yeah. you got Balo down low. you got Pelly Larson, who's a guy that can shoot the jeans off of it, and he's a guy that is uh, a problem for defenses. They've got a couple perimeter guys. Caleb and not to Love mention Caleb Love as been, well. And, but he has been there before too. Yes, exactly. Um, and then I, I put Purdue at three. Um, I think Purdue has a lot of – uh, you know, ways to beat a lot of teams, especially Tennessee. Um, if you're playing, 
uh, Zach Eady with one, with one real center on your team that you're going to have a little bit of a problem. But I think Purdue, what we saw yesterday was if the opposing team shoots better than Purdue does and, and kind of neutralizes Edie to where um, he's not able to just kind of push and shove around and, you know, lay it up with his uh, seven, eight hands or seven, eight arms. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's a, a little bit of a, a tough matchup for them. And Ohio State in that in late first half, early second half, came out and just shot the ball really well from the perimeter. Uh, Purdue was never able to come back in and take the lead again, even though it was close late. Uh, Houston would be my fourth team out of the group. I think that's the, the least fearing out of them all. They're really great defensively, um, but I think they lack at times offensively, and it's not an elite level like a UConn, uh, like we've seen recently from Arizona, and like we can see from Purdue. Um, so that's how I'd rank those number one seeds. Um, I think the six six number for Tennessee is fair, six overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, North Carolina head after we have that head-to-head loss against them. But, um, you know, Marquette right behind Tennessee, they drop uh, this weekend in, in huge fashion to UConn. Um, so I, I'm not saying the number one seeds are locked up, but I, I do think that the, the quest for a number one seed has gotten pretty hard now. Um, so I agree. I don't know if there's a path where Tennessee can get one. Need a couple losses. We'll see if we can get them. All right, that's going to wrap it up here on Overtime on a Monday for William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the baseballs and basketballs.